done. Good evening, it's good to see you tonight in the house of the Lord. And I want to invite your attention tonight to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3 tonight. And uh, we're going to be looking at three verses, 4, 5, and 6. 4, 5, and 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're going to minister to people, if you're going to minister to people. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 4. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Let's pray together. Father, we give you this time as best we know how, and we give you ourselves as best we know how, God, and ask you, Lord, to speak to us and speak through us tonight, God, the words that we need to hear from you. Father, we thank you that we can always depend on your spirit being a good and faithful teacher when your book is opened. And God, tonight, our prayer is that for us here, and Lord, for the kids in Awana and those who lead them. God, that you would just minister and that you would speak, you would teach, and that you would draw people to yourself, some for salvation, God, and Lord, for some, uh, for a life as you would have us to live, one that would be close to you and one that would honor you with every second that we have. So God, I pray for all around me tonight preaching the gospel. God, you'd fill them up and pour them out for your glory. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight, three things. Uh, as we look in these uh, three verses together, if you're going to minister to people, number one, you must have confidence in God's call. Confidence in God's call. Secondly, if we're going to minister to people, we must have confidence in God's power. Confidence in God's power. And thirdly, if we're going to minister to people, we must have confidence in God's message. Uh, those three things as we look at these uh, three verses tonight. You know, if, if you've been here uh, on Sunday nights and try to, try to kind of keep up with where we're at and where we're going, you know that, that last week we uh, really thought about the fact that Paul, that he had invested uh, his life and that we are uh, letters of commendation uh, individually, personally, and that people were trying to discredit his ministry, that they were trying to uh, cause disruption and question uh, his validity as an apostle, his validity as a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in some respect that he was in defense uh, of his ministry and in defense of his apostleship. So uh, with that thought in mind that we come now uh, to these three verses as Paul continues to talk about ministering to people. And so Paul is continuing, as he pens these words, is continuing uh, his best efforts in trying to minister uh, to this renegade church, if you will. Uh, that they were, uh, they were tough ones. They were tough ones to minister to. And, uh, you know, as I was going around shaking hands tonight, I had some members that tried to hurt me, pull me over pews, uh, do what they can. And, and so I can identify in many ways with the Apostle Paul. And, uh, but the Apostle Paul, that he could have 
uh, gotten, you know, in the mully grubs that he could have, you know, got bent out of shape, so to speak, could have took his toys and went home. Uh, that could have been his attitude. And, you know, sometimes that we as ministers, and I talk tonight as I talk as ministering to people and, and dealing with people, I'm not, I'm not talking exclusively uh, to, to those who are behind the pulpit. I think that it's even broader than that, that yes, yes, that this is Paul's message and it particularly applies to those in this arena, but it applies, has application uh, to each and every one of us. But he didn't. Why didn't he? Why didn't he take up his toys and go home? He couldn't. He couldn't. That he had something compelling him that he had something going on inside of his heart uh, that would not allow him to do that. And yet, you know as well as I do that there are many people with the title of pastor, there are many people uh, inside the walls of the church, the names are on the roll of the church, and yet they have, have called it quits, that they have uh, given up, throwing, thrown in the towel or whatnot. But Paul, that he could not and would not uh, forget, wouldn't forget, uh, the call that God had placed in his life, he wouldn't forget, he could not get over the power uh, that was in the gospel and that he knew that the message of the word of God would change people's lives. And as we think about those three things, that God's a call on us, there's a power in it, and there's a message that he has for people, how can we quit, how can we give up, how can we throw in the towel? And so that's what I want us to kind of think about uh, tonight in these uh, few verses together. So we must have confidence in God's call. And that's what we see in verse number four. And such trust or confidence, and such trust or confidence have we through Christ to Godward. Now there's no doubt that Paul had many uh, excuses and many good reasons uh, for him to be willing to throw in the towel and to give up and to just uh, let these churches get what's coming to him. Uh, that he could, you know, that could have been his attitude uh, with the church here at Corinth. Just, just let them go, let them go and see what, see what happens to them and, you know, be about his own business. That Paul could have been as content uh, out, you know, he, he, he himself, he was saved. Uh, he knew what God had done for him. He could have went back to tent making and minding his own business and praying and trying to maintain a relationship with God all his own. He could have done that. Many people do that. But there's something down deep that he knew he couldn't get away from that God had called him, that God had placed him in the ministry that he was at. And you know, even as believers, as we come to think about that, I, my prayer is as people that we're going to get discouraged, uh, there's going to be days of difficulty in our walk, that people are going to let us down, that things aren't going to go as we think that they should. But my prayer is that we'll never be able to get away from the fact that we know that we're where we need to be doing what God has called us to do and know that we're, what we are a part of is bigger than we are and that we won't quit, we won't give up, we'll keep pressing on uh, toward the prize of what God has for him. So he knew that he could not do that. He knew that even, you know, if they appreciated him or they despised him, was really a, it really didn't matter at all that he must keep on 
keeping on. There was, there was no difficulty. There was no uh, distraction. There was no disappointment that would ever be so great in the Apostle Paul's life that he would bow down, that he would quit, that he would, that he would go to the house and not come back again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 16, as he speaks about the gospel, he says, For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. That he felt a compulsion, that he felt the weightiness of what God had done in his heart and life, that he felt that he had an obligation, not only to God, he had an obligation to the people around him to be faithful in his life and to be faithful with God with, with what God had placed inside of him. In the next few uh, next chapter and verses, he, he stressed the, the perplexity of, of what was going on, and yet he said that I believe believe and so I speak that there was something that he believed with all of his heart that no man could convince him differently of he knew the power of the gospel therefore he was compelled therefore there was something inside of him that he had to share with other people the truth he had to share with other people the encouragement that he had received by the Lord Jesus Christ and so for Paul that he was very much aware and he was confident of God's call upon his life and such confidence or trust. See that when the going gets tough, there must be something greater than your own desires. Because if all you have is your own desires, that you're in trouble. Uh, that you may might as well call Mayday, Mayday. Put up the white flag, whatever, uh, because it must be bigger than that. And Paul understood that. So as he said, his trust and his confidence, he said, I'm not depending upon self, and my, my, what I can do, what, what I know, or who I am, or who I know, or any of those things, that he, he just declared publicly and unashamedly that his trust was not in who he he was as Paul the mighty apostle his trust was anchored in who Christ Jesus was and is and through God the Father knowing that he could trust him with every single second every dark corner everything of his life and he had that he knew that with all that he was and so there seems uh, in this time and even today but particularly then there seemed to me uh, no shortage of false teachers and preachers who are uh, confident in self and through their self uh, self efforts, uh, they were able to manipulate and use other people uh, for their own advantage. Always scheming, uh, plotting, and trying to make uh, things happen. Uh, but uh, Paul said, "Hey, if that's what they want to do, so be it. Uh, that is of no importance to me. That I'm keeping my eyes, I'm keeping my heart fixed upon that which is true, upon that which is solid, and that which will keep me going through the difficulties of real live ministry." He knew why he did what he did. Let me ask you: Do you know why you do what you do? Are you just operating off the, you know, going with the flow, going off the emotion of it? Or is there something 
in your life that you know that you're compelled because of the gospel, because of the lordship of Jesus Christ, because that you have an obligation to brothers and sisters to point them in the right direction and to show them and to lead them by the life that you live. In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12, Paul says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. Whether or not uh, the church at Corinth ever validated him or not, whether or not the church of Corinth ever accepted him as an apostle, it really did not matter that he knew that he had been placed in the ministry by a power that was greater than any man that had been placed in the ministry by the call of God. And God had done that and that Paul was staking his very life upon the fact that God had put him where he was. And so when you have that sort of confidence, then you can stick to it, then you can keep trucking. That is why that uh, men of God who are in places where it is battle after battle, that it is fight after fight, that is how that they are able to maintain that, that is how they're able to get up on Monday morning and go back into the ring again, is because they know that they weren't placed there by by any man to start with, that they had received the call of God and God had put them where they were and they were confident that the God that had placed them there that he was able to keep them there as well and so let's be diligent as we pray as we pray for men of God who are in difficult situations as they fight the fight of faith as they try to be faithful they try to be God's representative they try to be a shepherd to some sheep that are not heads and let's pray pray for men like that that God will give them the grace and the strength and the help that they need in their time of need All right. so we have a confidence in the call of God secondly in five and first part of six, we must have a confidence in God's power. In God's power. Five. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who hath also made us able. Now, uh, that is, those are some awesome words there. Some great reminders in our heart and life as we minister and as I said, this isn't, you know, exclusively uh, for someone who has a uh, pastor uh, as their title. These are for believers, I think, that we are to be on the, uh, on the know, in the know, in the know, the fact uh, that we are working not with our own power. We can, uh, but that is not what's asked of us. Uh, That's going to end in disaster, but we have at our disposal the power of God. And that's, you know, this morning I uh, talked about that a little bit, knowing the power of God on our life. As we try to uh, preach and minister void of the power of God, it'd be like me and you trying to get to the moon without a rocket. Can't be done. There's got to be something that propels us. And it can't be our own flesh. Us trying to get to the moon in our own flesh. That'd be like one of those little rubber band airplanes. You ever have one of those? Had a propeller and it was attached to a rubber band. You do this right here and it'd go about 15 feet and it's done. That's what our ministry is. 
on our own, on our own power. When we're, we're shooting for something that's way out here, and we got a rubber band airplane. He's called us to something greater than that, that we have at our disposal the power of Almighty God. And what Paul was confident that God had called him to do, that he was equally as confident that God was going to empower him to do the, the same thing, that the task that God had set ahead of him, it was not a task that was equal to man's strength, that God has set before us as believers, that he set before me as a pastor, that he set before us as a church a task that is bigger than what a man can produce, but he set before us a task that that God can accomplish through our lives the power of God and unfortunately that I believe that for the most part that we as the American church that we are accomplishing that which a man can accomplish and he's called us to accomplish things that only God can accomplish and he chooses to accomplish it through men and women of flesh Paul understood that we aren't sufficient. That's, that's, that's hard for us to say. He says we are not. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. We might need to put that on the mirror to really boost our ego on Monday morning. See, that's, that's kind of counter to what, you know, some people would have us to think about ourselves. You know, get up, eat your Cheerios, and tell yourself you're all that. And Paul said we must be reminded that we're not all that. Because it is our natural tendency to think that we are. And to believe that we are able in and of ourselves. And Paul, that he knew that. And I believe that one of the old writers, that he was right when he said that this isn't pretend modesty. Sometimes we have believers today, we have pretend modesty. But Paul, that he wasn't throwing out any pretend modesty, I believe that we can truthfully say that anyone throughout the course of history that God has significantly used, He has used him not in spite of his inability, but He has used him in spite of his ability. Do you hear me? He didn't use him in spite of his inability. He used him in spite of his ability. See, that's kind of counter to what we want to believe. You know, we see somebody that, that God is, has put their hand on and called into the ministry and say, boy, I see how God could use those talents. God don't need anything that I have to offer him. God doesn't need anything that any man has to bring to the table. That's all garbage. He doesn't need our insufficiencies. Our sufficiencies, whatever. He doesn't need any of it. That's God's able. Moses, what did he say? I don't speak well. I can't do this. You must be thinking about my brother. Gideon, Lord, I'm a nobody. Besides that, I'm a chicken. Jeremiah, oh, not me, Lord. All the men that God have used throughout history that they've reckoned themselves as unable. 
Now, Scott Hoffman, I read this week, I can't remember who quoted him. But he nailed it and said, Indeed, the call of Moses demonstrates that these very obstacles are an essential part of the call itself, illustrating clearly that God's grace, not the prophet's strength, is the source of his sufficiency. It wasn't the, the, what the prophets had to bring to the table. It was all about God and what God brought to the table. Now, when you start thinking about what God brings to the table when you and him meet up, that's pretty impressive. That changes the dynamic of the whole thing. And Paul had learned that not to rely on any skills that, that he possessed. And don't get me wrong, Paul had plenty of skill. He had plenty of skill. But Paul learned to let the Spirit of God work through him. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for, for him not to take the credit. Because he said, not that I'm sufficient. But he wanted, went on a step further. And he gave the credit to where credit was due. That's a good, that's a good notice right there about what Paul did. It wasn't just enough for him not to take credit. But he went that extra mile. And he put credit where it should have been. That's in the lap of God. So the credit should be. Read this week, said, God can achieve his purpose either through the absence of human power and resources or the abandonment of reliance on them. All through history, God has chosen and used nobodies because their unusual dependence on him made possible the unique display of his power and grace. He chose and used somebodies only when they renounced dependence on their natural abilities and resources. God will use anybody. But it's when we bring nothing. And we allow God to bring it all. That's when God's going to use us. When we bring nothing. We allow God to bring it all. So, last part of six. who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, of the New Covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. So, Paul had confidence in his call. He had confidence in the power of God. And now we see that Paul had confidence in the Word of God. God's message. Now, <clears throat> we don't know exactly what all the false teachers were, uh, what they were, you know, promoting and what they were saying. Uh, generally, it, it's, it's this, that uh, they would say, hey, uh, it's, it's, you know, the grace of God plus something else. That's generally uh, what you can count on uh, them, their, their uh, theology being. And so they're trying to discredit the ministry Paul in that way. And so, it always has been and always will be the preacher, the teacher, the, you know, the lay person who has a concern for lost souls, who has a concern uh, for the spiritual life of those they are around. Let me ask you, do you have concern for the spiritual life of those that you are around? Whether that be at work or at play or whatever. 
that I pray that God would give us a heightened sensitivity to the spiritual condition of the people that we rub shoulders with every day. And that's, that's how we're going to make a difference is that throughout our lives as we do things, as we work, as we play, as we shop, as we this and that, those people that we are with, that we will have some, some sense of concern for their spiritual well-being, some sense of concern for their soul. But Paul knew that everything was really wrapped up in, that it all uh, found its basis in the fact that we are to be people who are of the New Testament, of the New Covenant. Now, when we say the New Testament or the New Covenant, I'm not talking about that half of the Bible. All right? And it's contained there. But basically, as we talk about that, we're talking about that we through Christ Jesus, that he lived a perfect life, that he died in our place, that they buried him, that he rose again, and that he's coming back again, and that if we put our faith and trust in what he has done on Calvary, uh, then we can be a recipient of what he has done, all right? And so the, the New Testament is the good news of what Christ has done. It's for by grace are you saved through faith that not of works it's a gift of God that's the new testament that is the new covenant now Ephesians 2 19 now therefore you're no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God that we have been made a part of the household of God that is the new testament that is the new covenant there are many covenants that were made in the Bible. In Genesis 17 and 18, we have the Abrahamic covenant where God promised Abraham a, a people and he promised him land. He promised him a blessing. He promised him an eventual Messiah. The Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel there in chapter 7 through 16, you see that laid out that God promised David that there would be a, a greater Heir, and there would be a king that would forever set upon his throne. There's, a, there's another covenant there. There's the Mosaic covenant you see in Exodus uh, 24 when God said, uh, He gave His covenant blessing for those who uh, live righteously and those uh, who really are able to live to the standard of obedience. Oh, that's trouble, isn't it? Being able to live perfectly in obedience to the law of God. I can't do that. I don't know, I might can. I haven't tried. Neither of you. You see, we can't do it. We can't do it. It's impossible. As our lives line up with the law of God that we don't break the commandments, the commandments break us, that our lives just butt up against it and break. We're broken people. We're sinful people. So, how are we to, what's our hope? What's our hope if we can't experience this covenant because our, we can't live up to the goodness factor? It's the New Testament, it's the new covenant that God prepared for us. Jeremiah 31, 
in 31 through 34, For they shall know me from the least of them and to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sin no more. That's the New Testament. That's the New Covenant. That's the good news. And it is all anchored in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ that he is able to forgive us our sins he is able to forget our sins because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did when he died upon the cross and so that is the message that Paul had confidence in and that is the only message that you and I that you and I can have confidence in when Jesus was transforming the Passover into the Lord's Supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. That he was pointing, pointing to that. And that we would recognize that what he was doing on the cross, that it is what uh, instituted and brought into being the new covenant, the New Testament. So Paul, that... He was compelled in his life because he knew that there was a message that he had to preach. There was a message that he must proclaim. And that we as the church today, we as Christian people, that that has not changed for us. And if we want to have confidence, if we want to live a life of ministry so that we don't falter and that we don't fail, we must not, we cannot get away from the central message of the church. And that is that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he rose the third day according to the scriptures. That is the message of the New Testament church. And that our ministry must be grounded and anchored in that. And everything else, everything else that it grows from that. You see, Paul's message was not moral reformation. And that's what we see being preached oftentimes. As a moral reformation, if you'll just change your actions, that things will get better. That your, you know, your life will be better. You'll have a better this, a better that. You'll just change these actions. But that wasn't Paul's message. It wasn't about morality. It was a spiritual transformation. That's what it was, a spiritual transformation. And that's what's going to change our lives. It's a spiritual transformation. Now he says here <clears throat> that this, uh, we're minister of the New Testament, not of the letter. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Now if all we have is failed attempts at keeping the law, and that's what we've got any effort to keep the law, all it is on its best day is a failed attempt. If all we have is a failed attempt, that we have a pitiful existence, that we're living in pain and misery and defeat every day of our life. And that's for here and now, but it will lead us to eternal damnation if that's what we've got. He says the law, the letter, it kills. It kills but the Spirit gives life. So, in contrast, 
to the external and the external failure to, to add, add on top of it, the external failure now because of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have in our hearts an internal fulfillment because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, all these things that we failed to do, now we have an externally, now we have an internal fulfillment because not that we've done it because Christ has done it in our stead and so through the New Testament that we have life through the New Testament we have what the Spirit provides so as we conclude and kind of wrap this up what we have is a specific um, demonstration of what Paul laid out for his own life and how that he had prepared himself for what ministry had brought him. Now, we don't need to wait until we're in the thick of battle to try to start putting this into play. Now, you know, now is better than, you know, later. Uh, but, you know, need to, need to do it. Need to get in on this. Get in on this and understand these truths that Paul has given us. Because once you're already discouraged... Once you're already defeated, it's hard to climb out of the hole, all right? And so we need to get this on the front end of life, embrace it now, embrace it today, and help this be bedrock for you and for me that we'll build our life and build our sphere of ministry upon these three things. So you don't have to be a preacher to learn this lesson. And so even though there are preachers in here tonight and they do need to learn this lesson and we do need to learn this lesson it must be broader than these knucklehead preachers that are here tonight it must be able to encompass all of our lives it must be the motivation by which each and every one of us that we live so the question must be asked, do you want to be used by God? <clears throat> do you? Do you really want to be used by God? Throughout history, who are the people that God has used? What's the character and the nature of their lives look like? Are you the same quality of person that they are? Do you have the same drives and desires and ambitions that they had? If you read about biography of their life, of self-denial, does your life look like that? Does my, more importantly, does my life look like that? We know that throughout history, from Bible history, from church history, we know without a doubt that God isn't in the business of using self-sufficient, prideful people. That God is in the business of using people who are insufficient in and of themselves and they know it. That they are weak in and of themselves and they know it. That Moses, that Jeremiah, 
a man like, like Billy Graham? I was reading after somebody this week and it <clears throat> talked about Billy Graham and his, I think they said he was in his 30s. <clears throat> and he got, he had the opportunity to go and to, to preach in England and preach there among some well-educated people. And that Billy Graham, that he knew that he was not in his league. And his own testimony was that he thought about even trying to cancel out and get out of it. But he said that he went ahead because of the preparations that had already been made. And the first night or two that his own testimony was that he tried to be a little bit more academic than he had ever been before. And it just seems like that God wasn't working. People weren't responding to the gospel. And then on that, that third day, as he got alone with God, and God got alone with him, that he knew that he knew that he didn't have to be didn't have to impress anybody. That he better not try to impress anybody. But he just better yield himself to God and be who he was. And that night after he got alone with God and God got alone with him. That God started to work and God worked in a mighty way. You see that it's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. Someone that we're all familiar with, Billy Graham, the great Billy Graham. That Billy Graham's greatness had nothing to do with his skill level. Had nothing to do with his ability. I believe Billy Graham's greatness was found in that he was a humble man. And that he was somebody who gave his everything to God. Somebody who didn't try to take any credit for himself. And he recognized that God was everything. Now you know what? It doesn't take a, a college degree to do that. Average people like me and like you. That we can live that sort of life. And when we choose to live that sort of life that God chooses to live His life through us. And then we're, our lives are not insignificant. But then our lives become very significant as God works through us. And that's who I want to be. And I believe that's really who you want to be. But are we willing to say no to self? Are we willing to submit and surrender to God? Be nothing so that He can be everything? Now maybe you've been feeling the tug of God in your heart. Maybe you know that you need to be involved in this ministry or that ministry. You say, Ronnie, I am not up to that. I don't, ha I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to do that. You know what? You might just be the person that God's looking for. 
know, we've, we've often, we've heard it said a million times. Say it with me. God isn't looking for ability. God's looking for what? Availability. A lot of truth in that, isn't there? God doesn't need your ability. God doesn't need my ability. He needs me to say yes. He needs you to say yes. Don't give him excuses. If God's speaking to your heart, don't you think he's done his homework on you? Hmm? He's done his homework on you. He knows what he's getting. He wants you to be a part of this grand and glorious ministry. We've got a lost community. We've got a county that needs Jesus. We've got co-workers that need Jesus. Hopefully I don't, but you do, man, all right? <laughs> Are we confident? Are we confident in the call that God's put in our life? That's right. That God hasn't just saved you for you to sit down. God saved you so he can use your life for his glory. That's right. Are we confident that we serve a God that's powerful enough to use our lives as weak as we may be? And are we truly confident in the gospel? Amen. The good news. Are we ashamed of Jesus? Are we ashamed of that old story that he died on the cross for men's souls? Friend, that's still where it's at. That's the only thing that will change anybody's life, the power of the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us uh, your word. and God, you've given us the life of a man who uh, fleshed out the things that you put in his heart. Much to be learned. And Father, I pray that, that I, would, I would lead with my life. And God, help me to have these confidences. God, in a greater capacity than I do tonight. God, I want to be more. I want you to use me. But God, I recognize tonight that I've got to be usable. God, help me to empty myself of me. So I can be filled with you. Lord God, there's people here tonight that you're speaking to their hearts, you're working in their life about areas of surrender and places of service and God we're good at excuses so God tonight I pray that you'd help them to ditch the excuses and Father just to embrace what you would have for them Lord, that, that, may be, that may be related to the internal workings of the church or it may be, be something outside the walls of the church, building, whatever. But God, we, we need to be all yours. And that's my prayer tonight, that we, as Trace Creek Church, that we would be all yours for, your, for you to do 
exactly what you want to with. Well, God, we give you this time of invitation in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.